Hi, this is Angel Ramirez, host of the Angel and Harmony Show, and this is Our Future is Missing, Voice America Kids. Please be on the lookout for 17-year-old Raymond Pierce, who is 5'11", weighing 160 pounds, with brown eyes and brown hair, and 18-year-old Jake Ziegler, who is white, 5 feet, 10 inches, 135 pounds, with blue eyes and brown hair. They are presumed possibly injured and missing from Denver, Colorado. They went missing on October 13, 2012. They are believed to be together. They may have traveled to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in a green 2006 Pontiac G6 with North Carolina license plate number BDD8844. Raymond is biracial. He is white and Hispanic. Raymond's front tooth is chipped and he has a scar on his right hand, left leg, and arm. His ear is pierced. Raymond goes by the nickname Ray and Jake goes by the name of Ziggy. If you know of Raymond Pierce's or Jake Ziegler's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Raymond Pierce or Jake Ziegler, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage at Our Future is Missing or go to OurFutureIsMissing.com. Thank you. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. No purple songs can fly? Welcome to our program, produced by the Children in Treatment at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. Our program is about great music made by some terrific young talents. Now, here are the hosts of Purple Songs Can Fly. Thank you and welcome to the program, Purple Songs Can Fly, on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And today we'll be talking with Mr. Todd Frazier, a uh, composer who also works in the uh, Texas Medical Center. And so just if you're tuning in, Purple Songs Can Fly is a nonprofit organization that works in Texas Children's Hospital. Um, We have a small recording studio here, and we allow children uh, with uh, cancer or hematological issues to come and write and record their own music. Um, and also put it on a CD, give to their family, and um, it was through the Arts and Medicine program. So welcome, Mr. Frazier. Thank hi you there. for joining us today. Oh, hi, Zach. Hi, Emily. Thank hi you. And so I definitely wanted to start off by talking about um, your life before and how you became a composer, mm. uh, a, a, uh, a occupation so interesting and intricate, you know, it takes a lot to be one. So how, how did you get into music at, in, at the beginning? And what sparked your interest? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I get that a lot. It's a hard thing to answer, you know. Mm. I think that everyone's born with some sort of skills or talents, and part of a education and, and growth is sort of to find those and learn what they are. You know, some people are really good at languages, and it's amazing to me that someone might be able to speak English and, let's say, Japanese fluently. And when I hear them speaking Japanese, I have no idea what they're saying, and it's just an extraordinary thing. But at the same time, they say the same thing to me when I'm writing music or performing music or reading music. And in that sense, you can see that it is 
a different language. You know, music mm. is a language, and I happen, mm. or I may happen to have uh, an affinity toward it somehow that that it communicates with me, just as someone you might know might be very good with languages. And so that's sometimes an example I give. But I was, um, like a lot of young folks growing up in in, uh, in school, interested in rock and roll music, and <laughs> pop music, and all right. the music of the time. And I s- saw someone playing the guitar once, and I thought, well, I might be able to do that. So I, I remember I first picked up the guitar, and I just fell in love with the guitar, and I found mm. that... I just wanted to practice all the time, and I, I didn't know I would be so drawn toward it. And I would listen to the radio, uh, listen to our cassette tapes that we used to have, and mm. play them over and over, and and learn all of the the new ZZ Top songs and yes. all the things that were coming out. <laughs> yes. And yeah. pretty soon, I wanted to start a band, and we started a band. So in middle school, I, I had a band. In high school, we had a band, but I quickly um, just. I didn't get tired of the, the sort of standard dance band music that we were always required to play at at, at the the high school proms and things like that. But but I um I started to be very curious about different styles of music and improvisation in a band got me thinking about composing. Every time I would learn mm-hmm. a new, new tune wow. or learn a new piece or style, I would just want to create something on my own based on that style. And I think that that's what got me composing. I was also really into sports, but an extraordinary thing happened to me. Um, I uh, had a neck injury, um, Mm. and for about a year, nobody knew what it was, but it was really hindering my ability to do sports. This was in the eighth grade, and I actually came here to the Texas Medical Center for a number of tests. And um, one of the tests came back and showed a small tumor in my neck. Oh, wow. And the tumor was a benign tumor, mm. um, but as I was growing, it was pushing against a nerve in my spine. And so I was told that I needed to have major surgery on my neck, and likely, even the best scenario recovery, I wouldn't be able to do any contact sports, mm. which for me was a huge blow. I right. mean, I was just oh, yeah. a kid, and that was the thing I was looking forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was a strange thing. My father calls it sort of a mixed blessing, and we may all have these kinds of things, something seeming, seemingly tragic, but has these extraordinary consequences. Mm. I did go through the surgery. My first reaction was, well, let's just get it over with. Go right. on and do it. Right. I had the surgery, had no idea... <laughs> How <laughs> how it was changed my life. I woke up in a brace and I couldn't move my neck. And you might see me now. I I am slow moving. I still have some problems with it. Mm. But what happened then is almost seamlessly. I just said, okay, I can't do sports. Fine. What else am I gonna want to do? Mm. And I just poured myself into music um, mm. every afternoon, every weekend, every summer. I just loved it. And mm. so it was it was the language that communicated with that I understood and I could speak it and I could create with it so how do how do I do I don't know you know maybe I think it's might be something that that you're you're born with certainly it's something you can learn as well if you have an interest but from then on there was just no looking back and it was uh, music all through high school music in college music in graduate school Mm. and then the next big hump was hey how am I going to get a job? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> where to so go with it? You, you were obviously by the time you started getting into composing in high school, um, you obviously had had been um, accustomed to the guitar and were able to at least um, improvise on your own and write your own material with guitar. Um, 
was it really difficult learning all of the instruments required in an orchestra and how to write separately for each of them? Or did that come to you quickly after learning guitar? Well, it, when you write for orchestra, a composer that writes for orchestra, they will often know how to play multiple instruments. I ended up uh, learning piano, uh, mm. so guitar and piano, and a little bit of cello. But actually, in comp composing, you learn about the instruments, and you learn about their capabilities mm. and limitations. And it's very much like taking a black and white sketch or a black and white photo and when we talk about orchestration or writing for orchestra, it's like adding color to that photo mm. or adding color to the sketch. I think of the orchestra as different color palettes. So mm. a note can sound very different if it's played with a trumpet at full volume than it, than it does with a violin and flute paired together at a very soft volume. And so those, to me, those are very different colors. Mm. And when you think of it as colors, you almost look at it at, like your, your painter's uh, uh, wood there, the round piece you always see with painters, and the different colors there. And, of course, you can blend and mix colors. Mm. And, with the and, palette. Right, the palette. And um, so I don't know how to play all the instruments, but I know what they sound like, and I know the blending that they have together. And so I think in my head the kind of texture or timbre of the mm. sound that we want to convey uh, and, of course, some of it's just, just done by the range of notes that you want. Um, if you're translating a chord on the piano, uh, you know, the violin only goes down to the G below middle C. And so mm -hmm. if it's below that and you know you want it to be a string, you can use viola, but the viola only goes down to an octave below that C. So it, sometimes you only have one choice. So the cello is the okay. only choice if it's within a range. But maybe you don't just want a cello by itself, like I said, you could have a harp pluck the attack with the cello, which gives it a, a little sort of golden touch. You can mm. add the piano mm. and the cello together. The piano has a hammer, and the hammer hits the string, and the cello has a bow, and it's drawn across the string. So there are right. all these different subtleties, and that's very exciting to a composer. And when you hear a piece with orchestra that's full of color and you can mm. see and feel colors and shades, you know someone has thought of it in, in a creative way, not just a practical way of assigning instruments, but a creative mm. way. Wow. That, that's really interesting to hear that you um, interblend the art of each, of how the sounds sound, and put them together to make the overall feeling. I think you were talking about before it's called a timbre, right? Like mm -hmm. the overall sound. Mm. Um, and that, that's really cool. That's, yes. that's, really, that's really cool. Very interesting. So let's go to break. I'm Zach Tavlin. And I'm Emily Freeman. And you are listening to Voice America Kids and Purple Songs Can Fly. So the so this song is A Smile Can Change Anything by Jonathan, who was 17 years old when he wrote this song. The arts give us joy. The arts move us to change and smile. Smile can show the love in your heart It can keep you going times are hard It can show you you are and brighten your day It can change your life in many ways A smile can change anything When you're sad and lifts you up It's the medicine when things are up it's the cure when things are tough I've seen little kids smile when things are down 
I've seen them laugh instead of frown. They smile at me and I smile back. And remember the things I always had. A smile can change anything when your sadness lifts you up. It's the medicine when things are up. It's the cure when things are tough. A smile can change anything when your sadness lifts you up. It's the medicine when things are rough. It's the cure when things are tough. Smile can change anything when your sadness lifts you up. It's the medicine when things are rough. It's the cure when things are tough. A smile can change anything when your sadness you up. It's the medicine when things are rough. It's the cure when things are tough. America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Listening to Purple Songs Can Fly on the Voice America Kids channel. To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Taplin. And I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Mr. Todd Frazier. And you're listening to Voice America Kids and Purple Songs Can Fly. 
let's continue with our conversation about uh, composition as a whole. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I want to talk a little bit about your community involvement with the hospital, uh, because I think it's really interesting how your father was a heart surgeon. Yes. And now you've become involved with Methodist. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you become involved in the hospital? What do you do? And oh, well, thanks for that question. I, well, it goes back to sort of where I left off when I was finishing graduate school. I was thinking about, well, how does one actually make a living <laughs> pursue that <laughs> in, with a degree in composition? Some people have said it's mm. kind of like a degree in English literature. It shouldn't be discouraged, but you should also know that there are very limited <laughs> professional mm. uh, opportunities. And tracts, right? But that actually kind of inspired me. It inspired me to think about, well, why is that? You know, why is it that someone who can't wait to share uh, their thoughts and emotions through music within communities uh, uh, can't be supported in doing that, uh, at mm -hmm. least in these times in America? And so that got me to think about well, where were the jobs, um, and how do these jobs work? So that started making me think about, uh, in America, the nonprofit uh, industry, which uh, includes churches, it includes hospitals, mm. um, and it also includes most arts organizations, museums, and galleries. These are, these are things that don't happen to sell a product that can pay for everything it takes that goes into making it, but as a community, we have felt that they are valuable enough uh, to our uh, country that they should be uh, supported. So uh, you'll mm. often yeah. find um, hospitals and, uh, as well as churches and arts organizations will really look to the community uh, to support uh, what they do and the spirit of what they do financially. Mm. And I learned a lot about how that worked, and I actually realized – America has a very, very strong spirit of philanthropy. And what that mm -hmm. means, folks that have done well in their profession are starting to think, well, how can I really make a lasting difference in my community? And they often contribute funds to very quality, worthwhile things that we call nonprofit or charity. They aren't mm -hmm. making money themselves, but do need money to survive. So I started to think about, well, how can the arts be thought of in a new way, in, in, a, in a broad way, in a way that might connect seemingly different types of industries or different types of organizations? I really felt the arts could be a common denominator, uh, in, broadly speaking, with, with very different organizations. And so I also started to think that if we don't support the arts in our K-12 through educations, it's going to be a much tougher job. Mm. <laughs> so I felt Very like I could, I could enter the community and work in education, and I felt like I could contribute to the world of the arts and possibly create more opportunities for artists. So the next mm -hmm. round of graduates right. might have more uh, jobs to go into in order to share what they do. So I first... Gosh, the first 18 years I worked in a um, nonprofit that I actually created. And so I learned about the, I think it's a uniquely American idea of entrepreneurship. You know, mm -hmm. I looked at, well, what mm -hmm. are the needs in our Houston community? There was no real uh, quality summer program that brought students from all the different school districts together to get to know each other um, and to help them explore their love of music and explore their potential in music. It was something oh, I wished right. I would have had. Um, it's a brilliant and, idea. Yes. So I started what was called the American Festival for the Arts, which mm. has now been around, gosh, over 20 years. 
And in fact, my school, which was the Juilliard School in New York, was so sick of graduates staying in school so long, they gave me a grant to get out of school <laughs> mm. to start this program <laughs> in their community. <laughs> but I'll tell you, over the, over the, even the first five or six years, we opened up nearly 70, 75 paying positions for mm, teachers wow. of music in that summer. And that just really inspired me, the idea that if one sees a need in a community, there are ways you can go about serving that need. And, then, and it is, in fact, uniquely American. I mentioned the Japanese language earlier. Uh, it, it's a beautiful place and a beautiful country, but it happens to be a place where the government doesn't have the same kind of welcoming support for ideas within communities um, and so it is kind of uniquely American, this, uh, this entrepreneurial spirit. Very but true. the more mm. I worked with education, the more I saw how music helped uh, young folks in so many ways, not just musically and technically, their spirits, their hope, their creativity, achieving something at a very high quality with other folks around you. Bring something to your life that's inspiring. My dad once said at an orchestra rehearsal, I can't think of anything else. Uh, that we do where you can have about a hundred teenage kids all quiet and, <laughs> and still um, reading off the same score, watching one instructor who doesn't even have to speak, mm. just move their arm and all do the right thing at the right time to create something extraordinary and inspirational. And I thought about that. I said, well, you know, you're right. Yeah. I can't think of any other... <laughs> thing right. that we do is you certainly don't find that much in the classrooms but <laughs> large um, call of duty matches but <laughs> so i then started to think well, no, what else is extraordinary about houston well the texas medical center is the largest medical center in the world and i've even been told recently that if you cut it into quarters each quarter is still the largest medical center mm. in the world wow and i started to see, think well we should really put more of a scientific eye on what music is doing to youth and and the role of the arts within education. And so I started to work with some folks in the medical center, speech therapists, neurologists, looking at well, what's really going on in the brain as someone's developing and you're adding music <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah. Uh, and also there's that creative side. How does one just create, actually uh, bring ideas together and they form uh, a new uh, a melody or a new harmony? Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting thing. Is it the same part of your brain that you use? as you're writing an essay or writing a story, or is it different? Is rhythm and melody different? And I got really interested in that. Also started to work more within the schools with uh, special needs children, meaning children that might have developmental delays, mm -hmm. might have trouble with their speech or with right. their motor movements, and started to work more with music therapists and saw the extraordinary impact that has on children. Also saw that there wasn't enough of it in schools, mm. and so started to work uh, with organizations and supporters in Houston to bring much more of that uh, to our schools and started to the sort of spirit of, of what drove me was that you know every child should really be given the opportunity to realize their potential in life and for me music and the arts ha has a big impact in doing that so I wanted yes. Houston to be a place where that was available for young folks. But so the more I worked with the, the medical center, the more they recognized that I was someone that was really trying to bridge, uh, to build a bridge between the medical center and the education and the arts communities. And the Methodist Hospital had a center and, and has a center called the Center for Performing Arts Medicine. 
and I was invited to come in and help them think about over and beyond uh, health care, health-related issues involving injuries that performing artists have. How can we build these two-way bridges between these extraordinary communities in Houston? Mm-hmm. And so it was just a wonderful invitation for someone like me <laughs> because I thought, well, we need more ways to bring the arts into the medical center. I think artists mm-hmm. really want to share what they do. Right. So we've ended up creating a regular uh, concert series at the Methodist Hospital where all the professional groups, a lot of youth groups, a lot of cultural groups play. The patients uh, really enjoy this. The, the, the physicians, the staff, and their family members. The hospital has enjoyed it so much they've just recently given us a TV channel. So wow. we have oh, wow. Channel 19, which goes to all the patient rooms and the emergency rooms, is now the Center for Performing Arts uh, channel. So huh. that loops, all, we broadcast all of the performances that we play. Now we also have a research wing, which is giving us the support of these medical schools here uh, and folks that specialize in child psychology uh, and different sorts of uh, healing areas with children and they're helping us look at the impact of music listening and stroke recovery uh, the impact Mm -hmm. of using music therapists in in a very uh, uh, direct and and concentrated way in schools with special needs children and in fact we're also looking more scientifically here at Texas Children's in how the performing and visual arts component to the treatment environment here impacts um, the health care that you get at mm. Texas Children's. Wow. Wow. So uh, let's go to break. I, I am Zach Tavlin. And I'm Emily Freeman. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. Uh, before we go, though, uh, the song you're going to hear is called uh, She Was Always a Dreamer by Todd Frazier himself. So I, I was curious if you'd just offer a short uh, <laughs> in- intro to the song, yeah. um, where it comes from. Sure. Well, being a composer and being in the medical community, I started to find lots of inspiration for things that happen here every day. Mm -hmm. And the procedure of a heart transplant is extraordinarily uh, uh, incredible when someone is given the second chance to live. But at the same time, we have to remember someone often passes, and it's often tragically, um, because the heart has to be within a certain age, and and the younger Mm -hmm. the heart, uh, um, uh, the better. So... Um, this opera I've written actually traces uh, a donor family and the recipient family and the hospital uh, doctor and nurse in their journey through all of the different things and decisions that need to be made for this to take place. And they're really leaps of faith. Mm. And so this aria is the first time the mother is really dealing with whether she is going to give permission for her daughter's organs to be donated and is she going to take that leap of faith that it is the right thing to do for her daughter or is she not is she going to feel as though it's 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 taking something away from her daughter possibly right. her daughter passing to the next life not whole and these are sort of moral decisions that 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 folks uh, deal with and so she's talking to the priest and they're talking about what the right thing is to do they don't know what it is to do they work it out themselves, uh, communicating with each other through the opera. And the, the key, which is extraordinary, is that the daughter herself actually helps them work it out. So learning mm-hmm. more about the daughter. So this is the mother talking about she was always a dreamer. All of the things she dreamt of doing and wanted to do in her life. Excellent. Cool. Wow. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> 
Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Your hosts, all eight of them, have been selected by Kids First as film critics through a national competition. Each week, they will preview new movies before you see them, walk the red carpet with the stars, and will review the latest DVDs. Our hosts range from ages 7 to 14 to give you a wider kid's perspective. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. Have we got a show that will keep you on the pulse of the fashion world? Our hosts are two teens who know fashion, and they have the inside look when it comes to fashion for our generation. Tune in to Fashion Forward on Voice America Kids. We'll discuss what's hot and what's not, the latest in fashion trends, things to look for on the horizon, and more. Fashion Forward is your weekly guide to what to wear today, tonight, this weekend, and this season. Tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Fashion Forward on the Voice America Kids channel. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are listening to Purple Songs Can Fly on the Voice America Kids channel. 
To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Mr. Todd Frazier. And you are listening to Voice America Kids. Um, so let's kind of continue our conversation about uh, your involvement in the arts and community outreach in many different both schools, the art, the uh, medical center. Yes. Um, you're the founder of the American Festival of the Arts and Houston Art Partners. Um, that must be a really, really um, incredible thing to be, you know, the genesis of. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Houston in particular is a extraordinary place. We have, uh, I think we're the fifth largest school district in the nation. Mm. Uh, we also have one of the, the cities in America that has the four full-time uh, arts organizations, the ballet, symphony, uh, uh, opera, and theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have extraordinary resources in the arts world and we have over a million students and teachers within our educational region and it just seemed to me that these folks needed to talk to each other and (laughs) and work things out and just because you know a school doesn't have transportation it just wasn't a good enough reason for me Mm. to accept that they just weren't going to go to any arts programs and so um, we came together and we decided to just find solutions and um, one of the solutions uh, was to encourage those students that had shown uh, some talents and interest in the arts to go to this American Festival for the Arts in the summers for us to find scholarships for them, find transportations for them, because after all, they're going to go back to that school and they're going to learn so much and be a leader and a role model. And so I'm proud that... um, I'm proud that that program is still going very strong. I haven't been there for about six or seven years, so nobody knows who I am over there anymore. (laughs) And I'm also amazed that we're sitting here uh, with uh, the recording engineer who just told me he was a student at the AFA. Indeed. So um, we are a wonderful sound and technical engineer who set up all of our equipment and every time everything edits everything we do cuts out all the mistakes that we make mostly (laughs) mostly me um is jackson seldom heard on the show say hello hi thanks for having me zach (laughs) no problem uh thank you uh so you were a student in the uh afa program yeah actually two years ago i did the summer american festival for the arts conservatory and I was in the Composer Institute, so very in line with what we're talking about today. Very that much is so, so cool. And I can attest to everything said today that it really was a one-of-a-kind program mm. in that uh, there's not – I mean, for the, the rest of the camp, you know, there's the uh, orchestra, kind of like orchestra camp. And right. that, you know, right. is exists in a lot of places. But the Composer Institute is very rare to actually have a classroom setting with a professional composer – um, teaching multiple composers, you know, about about the different techniques and, and studying previous works. Because um, usually in the past, as far as I'm aware, it's usually a one-on-one. You have to find a mentor, and that's it's hard to have the resources to always do that. Mm. So I think it was really an excellent program mm. that reached out to as many people as possible. We asked Mr. Todd Frazier, and he talked a lot about how, how um, he got into composing and what it was like to learn. Um, working with the AFA uh, program in their composing institute, what was it like to learn in that environment um, how to compose? Or if, did, did you have experience before? Or 
Well, well, actually, speaking of experience before, <laughs> our own Anita Cruz, uh, the founder of Purple Songs and Fly, was my Indeed. piano teacher and was the first one who uh, got me into composing in about third grade. No Aww. other wow. piano teacher had had given me this kind of opportunity. They're always like, oh, learn this classical piece. Right. But Miss Cruz, Miss Anita, she said to me, she said, just come back to the next lesson and we'll listen to whatever you made. Oh. So I would come back in each lesson and uh, write some, write a little something on the piano. How cool And so is that, that got me started. And then so really awesome. uh, really continuing cool. on that from after my AFA experience, I learned a lot more about uh, kind of classical techniques and you know using kind of music theory and that kind of stuff as opposed to just listening to the sounds and then so I used that in while I was an intern uh, with Purple Songs and Fly last summer mm. in mm. the songs that we created with Purple Songs so that's a really engaging story of how your uh, youth affected your future and then you were allowed the opportunity through the uh, American Festival of the Arts to continue that that's that's great yeah it's great that's great and so going back to Mr. Frazier, um, the next uh, psalm we're going to hear that you, have, that you have written is a part of a uh, oriato? Or? Oratorio. Oratorio. Almost. Almost, right. almost, yeah. almost, almost. Correct. I knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I am the master of approximate knowledge. Uh, so... Why don't we talk? Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about this next piece we're going to hear and where it comes from? Because I think that the uh, last um, introduction that you did was incredibly uh, engaging and interesting. Yes. Sure. Sure. Well, the, what I'm interested in now today is is how the arts are connecting to different communities and how we can find these threads that that help introduce the arts to broader and broader parts of the communities. And so it's one of the reasons why I think uh, Purple Songs Can Fly is is an extraordinary idea, and I'm not surprised that it's had the success it's had. It's using music as a tool to connect us to some very important uh, feelings and emotions and time periods in children's life and giving them a way to share that, to touch and help people all over the world who might be seeking inspiration and needing uh, to relate to a group of people. And so that's an extraordinary idea that's come to fruition. And, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that I was, I'm able to work with her. We have some projects and we're always thinking of new projects of, of how to, to use the arts and music uh, in this treatment environment. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I think about things that compel me, larger scale things that compel me that I've also sensed are compelling to other folks. And in America, we all know politics uh, is is on the front page every, every day. Right. Particularly and now. Particularly <laughs> yes. now. And, and from young to old, we're thinking about where is America going? Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that brought me back to our founding fathers, thinking, well, mm. where did we start from? Why did we start? And wh- what did those people want us to do and what might have they wanted us to do now if they were around and so one of the people that I draw a lot of inspiration from who happened also to be quite an extraordinary musician a violinist is Thomas Jefferson my mm. personal favorite founding father oh good yeah. a little shout out good <laughs> and so the more I learned about his life he had a, he had a number of challenges in his life that really mm. continued to inspire me and I couldn't believe the fact that he was just at 33 years old, asked to write 
the Declaration of Independence to mm. to declare our American independence from Great Britain and and uh, I'm 43. I'm 10 years older than that, and I can't believe he did that so young. Uh, but we also know one of the things that he had with him in this hotel room in Philadelphia that it, for about two weeks mm. was his violin and a small mm. batch of music he would travel with that he would play from. And that always meant something to me, that, that extraordinary document that outwardly changed the world had music as sort of a handmaiden because surely mm. he would have taken breaks, practiced, played for inspiration. Right. Potentially music would have sort of helped his mind uh, and create some of those extraordinary words and helped his thinking about, about humanity. So I always thought that that could be a way to, to bring new light, to illuminate this story in a new way uh, and, and in a sort of a fundamental American way that could give new life to those words. So that's, that's the first movement of the oratory. The oratory goes through his whole life. The piece you're about to hear called We Hold These Truths uh, is for voice and orchestra, and it's, it's a, it just expresses those first few sentences of the Declaration of Independence that so many of us know and so many people uh, from around the world know as well.
care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you don't have an important voice to be heard. You are our future, and you need a forum to be heard. Tune in to American Pulse on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll talk to the student leaders of America and find out what they're doing to make a difference today. You'll be inspired to start working now for a brighter future later. American Pulse is heard live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. It's time to lead by example kids safe mother approved you're listening to voice america kids you are listening to purple songs can fly on the voice america kids channel To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Mr. Todd Frazier. And you're listening to Voice America Kids and Purple Songs Can Fly. Let's continue with our conversation about composing in general. So I am aware that you have recently become involved with Purple Songs Can Fly. Uh, Would you like to elaborate on that? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, Purple Songs Can Fly is something that I've been a big fan and supporter of for a long time. And Anita Cruz, uh, their founder and director, is someone who who I admire as also being an, an entrepreneur and finding a need in the community and really feeling it in a very unique way. I'm so glad that it's received uh, such recognition. And so yes. uh, she has an opportunity um, to have a piece, some of the children's music, uh, to be performed uh, by the Texas Medical Center Orchestra, which is also from Houston, at Carnegie Hall. And so to perform at Carnegie Hall is, is sort of the pinnacle for, for any musician you might talk to oh. or, or any um, ensemble or any individual. And so right. indeed, yes. the, um, you know, the, the idea of these songs getting that stage, which is really a, an international stage, and, and for having more folks around the world find out about what she's doing, ho- hopefully take it uh, and adopt uh, something like that within their communities. I can see purple songs can fly uh, uh, in, in all every hospital uh, <laughs> in the world, especially that, that where a treatment uh, environment is a long one and one mm-hmm. where you create uh, strong relationships and uh, and, and you really uh, care and want to do things for these these children that are so um, courageous. That's very very true, yes. and I, I know that. Um, Purple Songs Can Fly has been involved at least one time. I remember that there was a uh, program started like that in, funnily enough, Japan. Um, 
that was along similar veins. And um, I know that uh, I think uh, Miss Anita Cruz has uh, worked with many other programs that are, or organizations um, that desired to adopt such a program in helping them to uh, create it. Um, and I would also like to say um, that both I and Miss Emily Freeman will be appearing on stage in Carnegie Hall yes. uh, when this uh, comes about, which yes. I'm very excited about. I'm right very excited. Very, very excited. And honored, yes. It, it is an honor. It is really an honor. And I would, and also the music that will be accompanying us will be created by Mr. Todd Frazier. Yes. So that will be a, a really great thing. So how did you, how did you um, get drafted to... Uh, Design the music for such a uh, large event. Well, you know, of course, I I know how to orchestrate, and that's one of the things that I I do a lot. And I know that Anita was going to need somebody to translate the song written by um, the patients here into an orchestral format mm. to work mm. really effectively. And right. so uh, she called and asked, "Would I have the time?" To be able to do this, and I said, well, I don't have the time, but I will do it. <laughs> um, and it's sort of like uh, you, one of those things you can't say no to. You know, it, when you mm. have a little Girl Scout coming to your door selling Girl Scout cookies, I'm never going to say no. <laughs> There's many less uh, selfless reasons, though, that I say no to Girl Scout cookies. Uh, there's a small uh, store each year, similar to a squirrel of Girl Scout cookies I assemble. But oh, yeah, you got to keep them in your fallout shelter. You Indeed. You never had enough. It, it's kind of well, like with Twinkies. Uh, no, one, no one was ready for them to go uh, away, but I'd be ready if Girl Scout cookies were gone. Oh, really? I would be ready. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Please continue. Well, I think it may have been Jesse Jones that said, if you want something done and you want something done right, ask the busiest person in town. <laughs> um, and I think that essentially meant someone who, who is active and engaged and working, and that's their skill strength. And if and there are just certain projects that come along that no matter how, how mm. busy someone is, right. you're going to want to be involved in it. Right. So it's one of those things that I, I you know, I realize if I said no, I'd probably regret it <laughs> my whole life. So I'm happy to be able to do it. I can't wait to see the manuscript and, and get to work and you know, putting it in into notes. I'm glad we have computers. Oh, yes. the, the days of Mozart and Beethoven, he w they would have had to handwrite mm. for every single instrument in the orchestra, not just the full score for the conductor, but every single instrument, which could be 100 separate parts. And wow. so uh, I would surely uh, have tendonitis or something in my left hand by the time I finish that. Mm. But computers help us with that. We yes. have to come up with the notes. We put them in, but they'll help us uh, print them out. And, of course, talking about instruments, every instrument uh, plays in a different key, and there's all sorts right. of transpositions. Um, but right. it's something I'm very comfortable with, familiar with. I'm sure we're going to be able to get a, a really crack orchestration out, and uh, hopefully it'll be something that Purple Songs will, will publish and uh, and share with other orchestras that want to recognize uh, uh, these kinds of, of sort of heroic uh, efforts of both uh, physicians and communities and children. That's, re that's really, uh, I think, um, strikes at the heart of what the goal of this project is yes. as a whole, is to um, really uh, showcase um, to the world and to that child their own heroism. Um, yes. And showing that even though you you might be bound at the hospital, your ideas, thoughts, and feelings can travel anywhere, 
um, even to Carnegie Hall. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I am honored that you will be working with us on this. Same and I here. really appreciate your uh, selfless effort yes. in, in this uh, cause. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, thank you, Emily, and thank you, Zach. And so now that we've heard several uh, pieces of your work, um, I am sure the audience is biting at the bit to uh, find out more. So uh, where uh, would they go to learn more about where you? Where can we find? Well, sure. I, I do have a website. It's uh, called jtoddfraser.com. That's J-T-O-D-D-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. And on that website, you'll not only be able to hear uh, more of my music and learn more about the organizations that I uh, am working with, you'll also be able to find out a little bit about my family. And I'm every uh, buddy in my family besides me is involved with medicine, mm. either a physician or a nurse. Maybe you and said you're uh, in the break. Your doc, your father was a heart doctor. Yes, and in fact, he was the inspiration for the opera, The Breath of Life. Uh, and mm. he he he's a heart transplant physician, and he's now done approximately 1,600 heart transplants. So he's wow. done uh, hundreds, incredible. hundreds more than anybody else in the world. Uh, and so that's a particular, the um, extraordinary uh, thing to have, uh, to know about and, and to sort of understand. The most interesting thing about a heart transplant that most people don't know is that uh, medically, scientifically, we don't know why it works. And some mm. people say, are you kidding? We wouldn't do something like that if we didn't know how it works. I said, look, I have the, the world's expert <laughs> on my side <laughs> telling me about this. And when he puts the new heart in and the blood flows into the new heart for the first time and it's warmed, you wait. And you wait to see if it's going to remember how to beat. That gave me the title, The Breath of Life, this new blood flowing in, breathing new life into the heart. Oh, and it either wow. starts to beat with an extraordinary uh, uh, muscular pulse mm. and then the flat line starts up again, or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, it tends to be that within seven or so hours, uh, the new heart tends to remember how to beat when it's reconnected to the blood. Wait, wow. I, I'm... I'm uh... You said something before we cut. I can't. I can't leave, um, not comment on. Is the patient like dead for seven hours before the heart begins to beat again, or are they on like an artificial heart machine? They're they're on a machine that that oxygenates their blood and flows their blood back into their body, but okay. it happens outside of their body, and that's a very interesting question because, especially as a young person watching this mm. there's a flat line on the machine and there is a sense that this may be some sort of in-between state you can't go back you can't put the old heart back in right so what an extraordinary leap of faith that is happening in medicine mm. practically every day and i felt like the arts could be a wonderful way to illuminate um that story so and in, in the same way, I think the arts can express what is is not expressible, you know, with, with just words, music uh, and chords and notes. And, and it's similar to what's happening here with uh, Purple Songs Can Fly. There's a point where uh, needles and medicine and, and just ends, and there's a point where, where the spirit uh, takes over 
and there's nothing that connects to that more directly than uh, music. Mm. That's really direct. Our, our goal was to treat the spirit and the, the uh, emotions and the, the, the child as, as a person uh, rather than uh, the physical uh, right. body. In the mind. And, right. yes. and that's where that's incredible. I, I'm so uh, grateful that you were able to tell the story yes. of that. Same that is here. really a leap of faith and a breath of life. I mean, yes. and you'll tell that story with other people. And so just once again, uh, Mr. Fraser's website is jtoddfraser.com. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you, you so much. Really, it's been a pleasure yes. interviewing you. Yes. And uh, you'll be listening to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And you are listening to Voice America Kids. The final song we're going to play today is actually one of my own. Um, I wrote it for uh, Dr. Cooley, um, who is also a heart transplant surgeon. And um, I thought we should include it because your father uh, did the same line. And so I wrote this when I was 13, a long time ago now. And it is called When It Comes From The Heart. All the strides and all the struggles, all the valleys, all the hills, all the triumphs, all the sorrows, dedication to your field. You're a hero to so many, all around the world you're known. You have changed the course of history, made the world a better home.
thanks for listening to Purple Songs Can Fly. We'll see you again next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. And remember, for more information about the Purple Songs Can Fly project, visit www.purplesongscanfly.org. We'll be back with more music next week. Purple Songs Can Fly